So just as the US was surprised by inflation falling faster than expected, the same, it seems, is happening with the UK, although food inflation remains resiliently high, but that'll be more supply-driven than demand-driven, presumably, unless Brits are eating significantly more. So what does the Bank of England do with all of that, given that all suggestions were more to do with hikes rather than cuts? Uh, will we see an end-of-year pivot from the Bank of England? I mean, it is Christmas, after all. It's Thursday, the 21st of December, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, we always do revise this introduction to the morning call after the markets close in the United States, and things have changed a great deal in the last hour or so. Uh, the US dollar, a quarter percent rise now. The Aussie dollar down half a percent. The pound is down 0.8%. The euro down 0.4%. There wasn't a great deal of currency action before that. A seven-point basis point drop in 10-year treasuries. That's moved down another five basis points in the last hour or so, uh, and a 12 basis point drop in 10-year uh, gilts after the weaker. the and, uh, expected CPI data overnight. German and French 10-year bonds are down five basis points. In Australia, 10 years were down six basis points yesterday to 4.05%, closer to 4% now on futures overnight. And for a while, well, it really did think, feel like things were starting to slow down before Christmas. We we're seeing very small moves in US equities. But then a big downturn right up to the close with the Nasdaq down 1.5%. The same for the S&P 500, 1.3% down for the Dow. Uh, but the FTSE closed up over 1%. Small falls for the DAX and the Eurostox 50 at close as well. Uh, and oil is, well, it was pushing much higher uh, today. Now, uh, Brent nudging $80, but just a 0.1% rise this morning. WTI, which was on the rise, has switched now and it's down 0.1%. So a lot of last minute changes. So yeah, it's not as though everyone's sort of drifted off for Christmas just yet until that last minute rethink there in the US, which brought equities and bond yields down. Till then, the biggest moves in equities and bonds were in the UK. Their CPI numbers came out uh, late in the afternoon, Australia time. Let's look at those numbers, first of all, with NAB's Gavin Friend in London. So, Gavin, the expectation was that the uh, inflation rate would fall from 5.7% to 5.6% year on year, the core rate, that is, uh, in November, but it actually fell to 5.1%. So, I mean, this is a big surprise. Uh, it would be a big surprise to the Bank of England, I should imagine. Yeah, morning, Phil. I mean, just remember, the Bank of England, as, as important as the core rate is and services, the Bank of England targets the headline rate, and that dropped from 4.6% to 3.9%. So, you know, mm. you know seven-tenths seven fall there as well. Services inflation uh, also fell from 6.6% to 6.3%. It had you know, expect to be expected to be, to remain unchanged in terms of the, the the market consensus. And remember, that measure is the measure that the Bank of England only in its meeting at the beginning of November said it expected it to stay at six point nine percent right through Q four. So mm. we're almost getting down, you know, big figure below that. I and mean, if you look at the numbers on the month, the headline numbers down zero point two percent. And look at you know, look at the sort of categories um, that fell. So we had negative prints on the month for transport, recreation and culture, communication, furniture and household goods, clothing and footwear. It, it, it's, it's, this is not just what we've seen in the last few months, which has broadly been about lower energy and base effects bringing this down. This is, this is broad declines in other things that are going on, right? Food so, is holding up, though, isn't it? But you'd, you'd be saying, well, food is one of those things, unless, as I said in the introduction, unless people decided consciously they're going to eat more, 
That's being more supply more supply driven. These are things which the, presumably demand is weaker, so that's bringing prices down. So it's exactly com- it what- is com- food, food is coming down, you know, gradually on a year on year basis. It's clearly going to take a little bit longer. I don't know whether there's some pre Christmas buying buying going on there. There is still some, I think, as you know, some some supply demand things going on there. The supply things going on in food as well, I think, is an issue. Um, I think more broadly, though, you know, the Bank of England has been digging its heels in. You know, we've seen. The Fed recently, you know, uh, let the genie out of the bottle in terms of what it thinks rates will probably do next year. You know, we've seen some pushback a little bit from that the last couple of days from some some Fed speakers. But I think, you know, the market understands you're not going to put that you're not going to put the cork back in on that one unless you see. Uh, you know, uh, an extended period of of much stronger data. And, you know, that doesn't seem to be the case at the moment. We've had Eurozone adding into that. And now we've got, uh, you know, despite the pushback from the ECB, I think the market, you know, uh, was ready to call Christine Lagarde's bluff on that one. But the Bank of England, I think from the market's point of view, was the one that they felt, no, they're going to be at the back of the queue because, inflation has been much more stubborn all that i mean remember we had that interminable period you know even to, to the spring of this year a year where inflation in the uk the headline was um you know above nine percent you know and 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 it, it, the market really sort of got into that and but now a lot of that is is thing has been on things like the, the way that uk prices energy and those kinds of things that's all dropped out and now we've got a broader base decline coming on and the bank of england the Bank of England's headline measure is joining that of the US. They're both on a three handle. The the Eurozone's on a two handle. And markets, you know, collectively uh, are giving another go in pushing yields down. And it's not just UK UK yields, it's US yields and uh, German yields. Well, as Nick, well. Nick Timiraeus is um, Nick Timiraeus is writing in the Wall Street Journal today about how hard it is now for the Fed to convince investors that rate cuts are not imminent for precisely what you've been saying. You know, we've been seeing inflation falling and everyone assumes that they'll do that and they're finding it hard to backtrack on, you know, those dot plots that we saw in in, in the last FOMC meeting uh, because disinflation is happening faster than the Fed had predicted. So now this is faster than the Bank of England predicted. So are they going to be in the, in the same position? If they want to push up rates, they're going to have great difficulty now because the market is presumably going to start turning the other way. Well, I mean, just think about what the pricing in the UK has done today. You know, yesterday we mm. were looking at um, something like nearly 100 basis points for 2024 with the first cut coming sort of mid-year, maybe a little bit later than that. Now that's, you know, priced at more than 130 basis points with the first cut coming, you know, in the spring. Um we're not sure here at now that they'll move that early. Um, the pressure is clearly going to be on them, you know. And I think, I think for broad, markets broadly, just just taking your point there, you've got this, you know, across the board disinflation process. Markets understand that they're now going to be watching the data and see how we go, looking for things like if inflation is falling, it's looking at things like labour markets, which have been a bit more sticky. Looking at things like unemployment rates. Are they now starting to tick up? Will they start to tick up in the first quarter, the first half of next year? Because that will just bring that, – that, that, that's, that's really what central banks will need to see to underscore market pricing and, and get with the program. Otherwise, it's going to mm. be a case of push me, pull you. Rate cuts, I think, are here to stay. It's, it's, it's now the extent of when they start. And I think, again, everybody would probably agree – 
it's the data that's going to drive that. Well, we had other numbers, didn't we? Of course, we had the retail price index. Uh, of course, that you know mirrors the CPI. That was expected to rise a little bit. That actually fell. And then PPI as well fell. Well, as much as expected, didn't they? Uh, so, you know, so we've got all of that's coming down. I mean, we weren't, there's no way in the world the Bank of England is going to look at a rate hike now, is there? Absolutely not. No, there's no way. I mean, you, you, you remember, I think that your, your question is referring to the last vote, which was 6-3. So three members, the hawkish members, were clearly still thinking that policy needed to be tightened further. Now, I think, you know, last month, question marks, the, the next meeting, which will be in February, I mean, that's a little while away now. Um, you know, you'd expect that to be turning on its head. Um, and I would imagine that's the that's the meeting when we're going to get at least one of the doves starting to call for cuts, you know, if not more. It won't be a, you know, it won't be a majority, of course, it'll be a steady move. But certainly the, the idea that any of the MPC will be calling for rate hikes when we get around to, to next yeah. February. So the direction has shifted. We had the uh, consumer confidence numbers from the conference board in the US. Their press release, uh, this is very bullish, consumers end 2023 with a surge in confidence and restored optimism for 2024. Uh, so, you know, all good news. So the only thing I saw out of all of this that was, though, the jobs plentiful number. So 40.7% of consumers said jobs were plentiful. That's up from 386 in November. Uh, so, I mean, the Fed has said, you know, they're still concerned about wages. We saw inflation going up in, in Canada, and that was in part wages as well. So even though everyone is saying, well, this is fantastic, st- that's still got to be a concern, hasn't it? Yeah, I think, as I just said, that the wage the wage market thing is, is probably the last thing to turn, isn't it? You know, it, it, it's, for understandable reasons, it will be a lag laggard in in this disinflation process but the idea that surely if you're getting headline rates of inflation coming down to the levels we're talking about two and three percent and think about again in the us in europe in the uk um we've got a bit of stickiness in its couple of months but when we get around to february you know in all of these countries you look at what's going to drop out again on the base effect uh and and it's gonna it's really going to bring the levels down of, of inflation back down to one and change, two and change. That's not the definition of sustainable in terms of the central banks, but it's it's really hard for them to push back when you've got headline levels coming down to those kinds of areas. It's it's hard for a central bank to say, well, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not with the markets on this one. Um, the other thing is just swinging back to the consumer confidence numbers on on, on Wednesday. Um, you know. Simplistically, the driver of this is 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 lower gasoline prices and the surge in U.S. stock prices. I mean, you look at that. You look at the you look at the headline index on that conference board, and and this was you know we saw this in both the present conditions and the expectations index. Um, two months ago, they were dropping like a stone. Uh, the last two months, they've risen. All of these indices risen by nearly ten percent. Most of it in this last report. Um, gasoline prices over that period. They're down, well, oil prices are down 15%. Gasoline prices, obviously, the past year is a little bit slower, but it's a, it's a reasonable drop. Uh, the S&P is up 15% over the same period. I don't think it's any more scientific than that than the read-through from that. That's what investors react to or, or 
more businesses and households when they respond to these to these surveys. Well, maybe it's a sign that t- the tide has turned and we can focus on other things. EU finance ministers have met today and agreed on tougher debt rules for EU members. They've called it ambitious and sustainable debt reductions. It's being led by Germany, of course. Well, why, why wouldn't it be? Because they've got less debt than just about anybody else in Europe. So what do they care? Uh, you know, we've got several countries, including France, who've got more than 100% to G- debt to GDP ratio, and they're going to be expected to get it down to 60%. So there we are. If you are thinking that perhaps you could turn to fiscal measures to try and get you out of any uh, economic downturn, then forget it. If you're going to be radically trying to get your, uh, your, your debt back down to 60%. <laughs> it's laughable, isn't it? Just what Europe needs, another fiscal straitjacket. Look, so the backdrop, the backdrop to all this, as we know, is the EU Stability and Growth Pact, the vehicle, as you say, that, is, that, that monitors EU fiscal rules. I mean, that, and those rules were 60% debt to GDP ratio and a 3% annual deficit. They've been suspended back at, as, the, as COVID hit. Clearly, since the pandemic and the, and the sucker punches we've had that Europe has seen through things like the energy price surge as Russia invaded Ukraine, Joe Biden's Chips and Inflation Reduction Act, which all dragged investment, you know, even from European companies uh, into the US, finances are still severely um, stretched. Um, I think um, countries, and especially those in the south uh, of Europe with larger debt, you know, circa 90% above, uh, and deficits, you know, are pretty uh, sizable as well, have argued they've, 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 they've tried to coerce the, the EU Commission to give them more control, more independence in how they set these things. Um, now, as long as, you know, debt is put on a sort of declining path, that's the plan, um, there's going to be new rules now following this agreement to be drawn up to give these countries four years to do this with up to seven years i.e. a three-year extension, if they can commit to some growth-enhancing reforms. Europe loves that word. Um, Germany and Holland obviously are pushing hard uh, to your point. But honestly, I mean, you know, this, 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 I I just don't see, given the challenges that public finances, not just in Europe, but around the world face, I mean, they're pretty, pretty unfathomable. If you think about, you know, climate change, you know, global reshoring, the, the, the economy, Defence budgets are going through the roof. Immigration, the pandemic hangover. You know, I just think that this this is all great. You know, to, to make these kind of um, these these overtures, but I just don't think that uh, other countries, other countries, and particularly with the the pressures on governments on immigration, those kinds of things, that's what they're focused on. I really don't think they're focused on fiscal rules. And so I think this is this is this is noise. It's 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 a it's um, in, in the background, and I don't think when push comes to shove, these guys are gonna. Well, it's got to get past. Yes, it's, it's got to get through the EU Parliament. Parliament. Yeah. This yeah. is just the finance minister, so maybe it just won't get very far. Look, today, uh, credit card spending data for New Zealand is out. Uh, retail sales and weekly earnings for Canada, actually, just on New Zealand. So Governor Orr uh, was talking, wasn't he, about uh, that weaker GDP data for New Zealand? They are internalising it, which is, uh, in other words, they're not really quite sure what to do about it. Although they did say they recognised that immigration was having a, an impact on inflation in New Zealand. So um, anyway, we get their credit card numbers today. The Philly Fed Manufacturing Index, the weekly initial jobless claims as well. So there's still a bit around, but it is certainly quietening down because, well, hey, it's Christmas. <laughs> it is indeed. And it's, uh, I think, I think markets have had, investors have had a pretty torrid time, haven't they? A pretty, you know, the, the volatility we've seen in mm. bond markets, uh, to say the least, has been, has been pretty, pretty, um, 
pretty elevated, isn't it? So I think um, chips are chips are chip, chip, chips are being taken off the table, and uh, you can see that. I mean, benchmark yields, you know, they've not really moved since the Fed. Uh, they've been flatlining, you know, essentially for the last uh, week or so. Yeah, because everyone's going home to think about it uh, for a little bit. Uh, we'll uh, we uh, we'll talk to you again in the new year. But great having you on this uh, this year again, of course, Gavin. And uh, I think what are you seven or eight years you've been doing this now? So looking forward to doing it with you again next year. All right. Have a good one. Cheers, Phil. And we are back again tomorrow. Actually, back again twice tomorrow. Ray Atchell is going to do the morning edition. And then Sally is joining us to give her take on the year that's just been and her predictions for next year. That is our weekend edition for this coming weekend. I'm Phil Dobby for now. See you tomorrow morning. Have a great day.